Christ the King, the hope of all who seek Him, the help of all who find. Another is so loving, so good and kind. He lives, He lives, Christ Jesus lives today. He walks with me and talks with me along my sparrow. verse for this week. We are working on memorizing Isaiah 53 as a church family. And the verse for this week is verse 8. Let's read this together. He was taken from prison and from judgment. And who shall declare his generation? For he was cut off out of the land of the living. For the transgression of my people was he stricken. Isaiah 53 eight. And so work on that one. Uh, we probably will not be able to recite uh, verse 7 tonight, but we'll have another evening and another opportunity. So uh, keep working on your memory verses with that. All right, I believe that's all the announcements I need to make. If our ushers would come at this time, we will receive our tithes and offering. While we are receiving the offering here in our service, let me share a great need, your prayers. Please pray with us that God would use and bless the Foothills Baptist Gospel Hour. This program is a ministry of Foothills Baptist Church of Loveland. If the Lord would lay on your heart to donate to the Foothills Baptist Gospel Hour, we will provide our contact information at the end of this program. We will now return to the service. Into the heart of Jesus, deeper and deeper I go, seeking to know the reason why he should Jesus, deeper 
from the world below. Joy in the place of sorrow, peace in the midst of pain. Jesus will give, Jesus will give, He will uphold and sustain. Into the love of Jesus, deeper and deeper I go, praising the one who brought me out of my sin and woe. And through eternal ages, gracefully I shall sing, oh how he loved, oh how he loved, Jesus my Uh, this is that Sunday that we present our theme for the year and at our banquet tonight, uh, and I hope you're able to be with us. Uh, we uh, present and look back at what God has done through 2023, and He really has done a great work. And then we share uh, where I believe the Lord is leading and in several areas for this new year that is set before us. And so it is really an exciting time and, and an exciting opportunity that God has set before us. And our our theme, if you haven't guessed it yet, launch out into the deep. We, we've got it up there. I, I should have given you three guests and see how, how uh, but uh, it, it is launch out into the deep. And I'm going to be preaching from that passage this morning. But I believe here's a lesson that we need for this year. Here is a principle and a truth that is just right for 2024. Um, this is an election year. I hate election years. Now, don't misunderstand me. I'm glad we have elections. And I hope and pray it will be both free and fair. And we need to pray for that because there are those that would not like that. Um, but uh, it, it is an election year. And along with that, we're, we're dealing with, as I have mentioned often, a very declining culture that is becoming more dark and evil all the time. And it, it does present challenges in the work of the ministry, in trying to reach out to the lost. Uh, in the Friday Church News by David Cloud, he uh, addresses one of the things that's happening in our country that to me is, is a conundrum. Uh, and I've heard about this and, and listened to seen different articles, but I think it is the atheist that are having their own churches that are meeting on Sunday. Uh, they get together, they have their lectures, like we have preaching, they have singing, they have testimonials, probably no prayer, and, and all of this. Now, here's the conundrum. Why do they want to imitate something that honors that which they don't even think exists? <laughs> Is that not strange? Is that not unusual? But maybe the greater problem with that is so many times the church is trying to imitate the world, and that is even worse yet. But, but this is where our culture is going with the uh, woke movement and, and the evil that is going on. Um, we, we have two law enforcement officers here today. Uh, they probably could not even begin to tell of the dark stuff that is going on even within our communities and the things they have to deal with. But you know, this, this is where America has come to. Uh, 
And, and sometimes in the midst of all that is happening, as a local church, we feel as though we have toiled all night or all last year or maybe the last five years and feel like the disciple Peter when he said, and we've caught nothing. And it seems like we have made very little impact as a light of righteousness. It seems as though the gospel message that she must be born again hits a brick wall over and over and just echoes back to us with no one wanting to hear it. We, we have the greatest message that man could ever receive, and, and that is that you can know for certain that you have eternal life through Jesus Christ. 1 John 5.13 says, These things have I written unto you that ye may know that ye have eternal life. And it goes on to tell us that by faith, by grace through faith and not of works, can we receive eternal life. And what a message. And for those of us that have received Christ as our Savior, we can't understand why anyone would reject it. But it is over and over and over again. We have you know, within our ministry, we go door to door. And sometimes we wonder if anybody would ever want to hear the gospel message. And sometimes we get weary of going door to door and like uh, Peter, having fished all night and come up with nothing. And so I think this is something that we need. Here is a practical event, and I'm going to read this passage, and you'll see it's a practical event with a great spiritual lesson for us as we move in to this year. So if you found your place, Luke chapter 5, I invite you to stand for the reading of God's Word. Luke chapter 5. <clears throat> And I'll begin with verse 1. And it came to pass that as the people pressed upon him to hear the word of God, he stood by the lake of Gennesaret and saw two ships standing by the lake, but the fishermen were gone out of them and were washing their nets. And he entered into one of the ships, which was Simon's, and prayed him that he would thrust out a little from the land. And he sat down and taught the people out of the ship. Now, when he had left speaking, he said unto Simon, Launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a draught. And Simon answering said unto him, Master, we have toiled all night and have taken nothing. Nevertheless, at thy word, I will let down the net. And when they had this done, they enclosed a great multitude of fishes and their net brake. And they beckoned unto their partners, which were in the other ship, that they should come and help them. And they came and filled both ships, so that they began to sink. When Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees, saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. For he was astonished in all that were with him at the draught of the fishes which they had taken. And so was also James and John, the sons of Zebedee, which were partners with Simon. And Jesus said unto Simon, Fear not, from henceforth thou shalt catch men. And when they had brought their ships to land, they forsook all and followed him. Father, we come to you this morning, and here's a tremendous lesson. I could not imagine being one of those disciples and experiencing this event that just went contrary to what human reasoning would say. 
and would go contrary to what they had experienced in the past. And to be in the presence of Jesus like this. Now, Father, let us take this lesson and consider this passage as we look at our great work that is set before us in this new year that you have given. I pray in Jesus' precious name, amen. You may be seated. I want to set the stage for the disciples' lesson in what was happening here. You see... The Lord Jesus Christ had been uh, commuting from one point to another, and as he walked, he was coming past the Lake of Gennesaret, which is also known as the Sea of Galilee. It has multiple names, but here it is referred to as the Lake of Gennesaret. And as he is traveling, he has become well known by the people for his teaching of the Word of God. And everywhere he went, once he started his public ministry, he taught God's Word. And in fact, there was a time where where some said, here's a man that's never been educated in the religious schools, but nobody teaches like this man. He teaches as one that has authority. And he did. It would have been a marvelous thing. And, And someday when we are in heaven, it'll be a marvelous thing to be able to sit and listen to Jesus Christ expound how all things fit together in the Old Testament and how they're connected with the New Testament and give us a greater understanding of his word. Well, here it says in this particular case that the people pressed, and we would understand there must have been a pretty good gathering of them And he had to get into the fishing boat to get out away to have enough space so he could teach them from the Word of God. It is interesting that people came to to meet with Jesus for a variety of reasons. Some because he said, your bellies have been filled with bread. You were fed. This happened right after the feeding of the 5,000 and how he took one lunch and fed the multitude of people. And, you know, we all like a free lunch. And uh, they came back hoping to get another one. And he says, you came here and not for what I'm going to teach you, but because your bellies were filled with bread. He was straightforward about things. Others came with uh, maladies and and, uh, demon possession and a variety of things for his healing and, and deliverance and spiritual bondage and things. But here, a large crowd gathered because they enjoyed hearing him teach the Word of God. This happened in a time when the religious culture of Judaism, which was the leading religious culture about the Bible, really had lost the heart of God's Word. And they had denigrated to nothing but pride, self-righteousness, do's and don'ts. Now, having said that, the Bible is full of do's and don'ts, and for a very good reason. But when it's deduced to nothing but that, there's a problem. And here Jesus Christ had come along, and he was teaching and preaching the Word of God like no other. And folks, I think there's many out there in spite of all of the uh, non-religious, in spite of all of the, the bad religion and the worldly religion and all of that, I think there's a lot of people that really would like to know, what does God's Word say? 
And they would hunger for a preacher in a church that simply teaches and preaches the Word of God. And so here we find this crowd coming and listening to the Word as Jesus was teaching. Now, we really do not know what the Lord taught. It doesn't give us that record. Now, my guess is, and this is all it is, and uh, we need to be very careful about that. When, when the Bible says it, it's thus saith the Lord, and we just believe it and obey it. When I'm guessing at something, take it or leave it. That's as good as it goes there. But knowing the Lord Jesus Christ, what he taught in this lesson no doubt had an impact in the thinking of Peter. Because he would have been sitting in his boat listening to everything that Jesus was teaching to the people. And so we see that he has this large gathering and they're here and the Lord is teaching. Now, before I transition to the command that is given by the Lord to Peter, okay, let's launch out into the deep. I think this is a good uh, tidbit that we need to understand. During that time frame, Peter and the other disciples would be aware of it. It was not an uncommon thing for rabbis in that culture and in Judaism to solicit and get around them a circle of disciples to whom they could teach their thinking, their doctrine, their belief, and and pass on. And and the the whole thing about what they were doing is they were trying to get a circle that was around them that they could just pass on what they believe. And and probably some of it was teaching the biblical truth, but a lot of it was what they were believing. And it was all about gathering a circle of men around them to sit and listen and to learn. And so they understood the idea of a rabbi, and the Lord was called rabbi from time to time, even though he was and is more than just a rabbi. He was God, the incarnate, God incarnate in the Son. But he was called rabbi, and the disciples were getting to know him and learn about him. And so it was not uncommon that he would be trying to gather disciples around him as well. But here is something different between what was common in society at that time where a rabbi would simply gather disciples around him so they could sit and listen to what he wants to teach. With the Lord Jesus Christ, when he was calling disciples, it was going beyond, I want you to come around and sit and listen to what I teach. Now, his teachings are absolutely essential, but he was calling disciples to do a work, to do something. And they were going to be instructed when it came to the great commission of taking the gospel around the world. And so this was going to be a dynamic, different stage in what they were dealing with compared to the normal rabbi. So now as we transition, understand that Jesus would not be calling his disciples around him simply for the purpose of teaching them and then learning some academic things or spiritual things, but he was calling them around him to equip them to do a work. Their lesson begins with a command to action. Verse 4, now when he had left speaking, he said to Simon, launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a draught. The Lord knew they hadn't caught a thing all night. Lord knows those things. Lord knows what's going on in our life. The good, the bad, the success, the failure. He knows all of that. 
And I think here's something we need to grasp. Bible teaching and Bible preaching should always lead us to action. As we come here to church, and as you come to Sunday school, and as you come to midweek, and as we study the Word of God, certainly we study and we preach and we teach so that you can learn and know and understand biblical truth. But it must go beyond that. It must challenge us to serve the Lord Jesus Christ, to be put into action and not just sit and be learners. And so here we have, uh, they're put into action. Now for Peter, the Lord's command seemed very unreasonable. And we would probably agree with Peter. Now stop and think about this. We, we have at least one plumber here. How well does it work for an electrician to tell you how to do your plumbing? <laughs> probably not real good. Uh, or uh, those that work on computers and develop programs. How good does it work for an HVAC guy to tell you how to run the computer? You know, it's like, hey, I know what I'm doing. You've not been trained for this. And so understand the challenge in Peter's thinking. The Lord grew up as a carpenter. Peter had been a fisherman. And as I did some research and study, and one of the things that was brought out in several of the authors that had written on this is that it was customary for fishing that you fished at night and not during the day. And not only that, but you fished closer to the shallows and not out into the deep. So it was not simply a matter of, hey, we fished all night and we didn't catch anything. The weather's not conducive. Maybe it's not the right phase of the moon and, and all of these things that can impact fishing and how they bite and, and uh, uh, the nets or whatever it was or there was too much noise where we were fishing. You're sending us at the wrong time to the wrong spot. You don't know what fishing is. So when Peter mildly protested, it wasn't simply we didn't catch anything, they're not biting, or they're just not there to be caught. It didn't seem reasonable to Peter. So whatever the reason, they thought that the Lord's command was a bit unreasonable and misdirected. Here's a lesson that I take from this as we move through this. First, the Lord did not call us to be his disciples to simply sit and learn, but to do a great work. And sometimes in the work, we feel as though we have toiled all year or for five years or for however long you want to give and we have caught nothing and we have seen very little fruit. And now, Lord, you want us to go back and just keep doing what we've been doing? The Lord's commands doesn't change. The Lord's work doesn't change. Sometimes there's a famine of what's caught. And sometimes there is great success. As a local church, we have been commissioned with a great commission to take the gospel. This is our work to our community. 
And our and the shadow of, of such a small church reaches out to a number of communities. We have people within our church that drive a distance and, and, and our light can reach many communities right here from Foothills Baptist Church. And our commission has not changed. But sometimes we might mildly protest like Peter and wonder, hey, we've been doing this now for how long? And we see some things not working. But I like what Peter said. But nevertheless, at thy word, we'll do it. Nevertheless, at thy word. I may not understand why we should keep doing this. But because the Lord has commanded, nevertheless, I will do it. The great commission of the local church is to go into all of the world preaching the gospel to every man, woman, and child. The great commission for Foothills Baptist Church, even within our communities, is to share the gospel with the lost. Now, certainly as a local church, it includes discipling and ministering one to another. But our great work is to deliver God's message of eternal life to the lost. And and that has never changed. And not only that, we may not understand, but we may be weary. I'm not exactly sure how old Peter was, but if he'd been fishing all night, and now he'd been up and listening to preaching for the morning, he might be ready for a nap. (laughs) No matter how weary he was, He still said, nevertheless, at thy word, we'll do it. I was reading about Wellington, who had become, and it's interesting, Wellington, as I did a little background on Wellington, Duke of Wellington, his mother tried to send him to school, and then the father died. They lost out on money. And so they, she said, you know, my son just seems to be a worthless, no good, so I'm going to put him into the military. Well, he went into the military and became one of their great generals. And in one of their battles, I don't know if it was the battle against Napoleon or which one of the battles, but in one of his battles, he gave a command to one of his generals. And the general looked at him and said, that's impossible. We cannot do that. And Wellington responded to his command I do not give impossible commands. Go do it. (laughs) Well, do you know what? Sometimes humans can give impossible commands, but our Lord never does. His are always doable because he will enable us to do them. And so when, when they took this step, he says, nevertheless, at thy word, I will let down thy net. And it doesn't give all of the intermittent time of how, okay, they got just where the Lord told them and they get their nets all thrown out. I'm sure that all took a little bit of time. And then they draw in their nets full and breaking a fish. But in taking that step, three things stand out to me. This was a step of faith. As we move forward into this new year, Our command from the Lord Jesus Christ, our commission from the Lord Jesus Christ hasn't changed. 
And we can look back at a year or two years or three years and maybe disappointed at some of the fruit that we have seen. We are delighted at the fruit we have seen, but maybe the lack of fruit we would have likened to seen a whole lot more fruit. But nevertheless, because God has commissioned us, we take that step of faith and do what he has asked us to do. And it takes a step of faith. Sometimes we need to echo the New Testament cry by one of the men that <clears throat> had encountered the Lord Jesus Christ and, and, and a miracle that transpired. And the Lord says, all you have to do is believe on this matter. And he cried back and he says, I believe, but help thou my unbelief. Sometimes our faith is weak. And we simply need to turn to the Lord and say, Lord, strengthen our faith. We want to do your will. We desire to do your will. But sometimes we struggle with our faith and we need to ask God to increase our faith. Faith is important in the Christian life. It is all about living by faith. In Hebrews chapter 11, I believe it is verse 6, it says, But without faith it is impossible to please him. Three times in the New Testament, Habakkuk is quoted where it says, The just shall live by faith. The Christian life is a walk of faith. Believing God's word and living it. And it takes faith to do that. Hebrews 11.1 1 talks about faith is the evidence of things not seen. We're not talking about blind faith in obeying the Word of God and following the Lord Jesus Christ. There's, there's an awful lot of religion that's nothing more than blind faith. God has never called upon the Christian to walk by blind faith. He has given us evidence after evidence after evidence that when God said something, we can believe it. You go back to Daniel, I believe it is chapter 11, and here's part of the evidences. There is about a hundred prophecies that God gave through Daniel that would happen over a period of time beyond the life of Daniel. There was a hundred prophecies and every one of them came absolutely true. And, and some of the strangest things of, of how a woman was going to be given as a bride to, to another king to bring a confederacy to be between two nations and be able to could, uh, subdue that nation. And the uh, bride would then uh, betray the ones that gave her and the other nation would then subdue the original nation. I mean, we're talking about some really specific things that happen in Gentile nations. You will also find 330 prophecies about the conception, birth, life, ministry, death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ in the Old Testament, none of which are less than 400 years in advance. Every one of them came true meticulously in the life of Christ. God has given you and me sufficient evidences so that when we come to his word, 
We can have faith believing that it is true, it is absolute, and we can trust it. And and so it takes a step of faith. And I'm sure it took a step of faith for Peter to to row the boat out there. And we know how dominant and vocal Peter was about everything. And he always had a better idea. But for him to say, okay, we'll do this. It took a step of faith. And what did he discover? Wow. So the first thing is a step of faith. The second thing I see here is Peter's response was an act of obedience. An act of obedience. You cannot separate faith from obedience. These two go hand in hand. You cannot have real faith without the action of obedience. If you really believe God is who God says he is through his word, then you have to really believe what the Bible says. And if you really believe, and I do, you have to really believe sufficient that it impacts your life. If they had a sign at the, the uh, beginning of going through the city that said, if you drive a certain speed, we will pull you over. Do you believe the sign? Evidently, some people don't because they just blow by. But if you really believe it and don't want to suffer the consequences, you will drive at that speed limit or below if you really believe it and we could go into a multitude of illustrations if you really believe do you really believe there's a hell do you really believe that that we are accountable to god for every word as the bible says We are accountable to God even for our thought life and for our actions and for what we do. If you really believe that, then you will want to obey the word of God. So when we're accountable to God, we can give an honorable accounting of our lives. And so here, you cannot separate faith from obedience. If you truly believe, it will lead you to an action of obedience, and you cannot obey without faith. You see, the world at large does not like God and does not like the Christian faith. And do you know what? It takes faith to obey God, to understand that God will watch over you, and he will use you, and he will direct you. And so faith and obedience are inseparable. Peter acted with obedience for this command and was a preparation of his heart for a greater work that would need both faith and obedience. You see, it's one thing to have faith to grow out a little bit, throw a net out when you hadn't caught anything. That's one thing about faith. That was a practical lesson teaching Peter that he could trust God. Whatever the Lord commanded, he could have faith to obey and trust God. Because later when he preached on the day of Pentecost, and when they sought to put him in jail, and when he was told to don't preach in the name of Christ, but he was commanded to preach Christ, It took faith that God would work in his life to be able to obey on the spiritual level what God had called him to do. 
And so we see faith, an act of obedience. And when faith is unified with obedience, there is a hope of reward. Let us never set out to do the Lord's work, hoping to prove him wrong. I hope Peter didn't say, okay, let's go do this. We're going to go out, uh, launch out into the deep. We're going to throw the nets. And I'm just going to show you there's no fish out there. (laughs) I hope we never follow the commands of God, whether it be taking the gospel to, to the lost or whatever it is, when we're trying to be faithful and following God, let's not do it and say, well, we've done this for a year and two and three years and this, and we've never seen any fruit. And I'm just going to prove you wrong, God, that it doesn't work. Let us never go at it with that spirit. Here, he, uh, we would understand he went at it and he saw a mighty reward with what God has done. Paul said in Ephesians 3.20 that God can do exceedingly above what we think or expect or even ask. And so as we go out to do God's work, expect God to bless with great reward. Our number one motivation, certainly, for obeying and serving the Lord ought to be our love for the Lord Jesus Christ. It ought not to be to see what we can get out of it. Our number one motivation ought to be that we love the Lord with all our heart, with all our soul, with all our might, and with all our strength. And that's why we serve Him. We ought to feel a sense of debt. I mean, how can we fathom that God's eternal Son would lay His life down on the cross to pay my sin penalty so that I can receive a pardon from God and have eternal life through Jesus Christ. I mean, how do we fathom that? I feel indebted to the Lord. I can't work to to pay for my salvation, but I can serve the Lord to show him my appreciation for it and what he has done. God has promised to reward his faithful workers. He has demonstrated it in this lesson with the disciples. The reward may be a spiritual blessing by souls being saved, lives being changed. The reward may be in physical needs for the work, Philippians 4, 19 rather, but my God shall supply all your need according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. The reward may be in eternity when we go home to be with the Lord Jesus Christ. But there is a hope of a reward. God teaches it. He has promised it. And we can look forward to it. But there's another very crucial aspect to this lesson that really stands out to me. And this is an answer to the question, how will you respond when the Lord gives success? I mean, even great success. In verse 8, when Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. Folks, I fear we have seen over the years men who have had some type of success, whether whether it really be spiritual or whether it just be a man-made success, that those men or women start bragging about how good they are at what they do. Pride swells up. Arrogance swells up. And it's, you know, look at me. Look at what I have done. 
look at what I have accomplished. And now I need to host a seminar and have all of you come here and I'll tell you how to do all of it. And you can all be like me. That wasn't how Peter responded. He did not respond with arrogance and say, Hey, James and John, get over here. Look what I did. He called for them and they came over and they helped and they filled both the boats to the point where they started to sink or settle down. They needed to hurry up and get to to shore. But notice the response of Peter. He fell at his knees with a heart of humility and said, Lord, I am unworthy of what you're doing through my life. And folks, I think that is an important thing. There is nothing so devastating to the Lord's work than when we become proud with the success that God has given. We bring a reproach to his name. We bring a reproach to the local church. We bring a reproach to the office of pastor. We bring a reproach to the testimony of the gospel message. How will we respond when God blesses with great success? We must humbly give God all the glory in all of this. Our theme for 2024 is launch out into the deep. It matches our great commission that is unchangeable. Go ye into all of the world. In Acts 1.8, but ye shall be witnesses both in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost part of the earth. It hasn't changed. But here's what I learned from this great lesson of launching out into the deep, that the Foothills Baptist Church family has been called and commanded to do a great work, not just sit and listen and learn more, which is essential, but it goes beyond that. No matter of the past failures or the current difficulties, we must take a step of faith and move forward and act with obedience to do the work that is greater than catching fish, but being fishers of men, and do so with a sincere hope of reward for faithfulness to his great work. Then as the Lord does reward abundantly, let us respond with a heart of humility giving 100% of the glory and the praise to our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. We have a great opportunity that is set before us. As our culture gets darker and darker, our light can shine brighter and brighter. Folks, how dark will a country become if our light of righteousness goes out. Our country needs us to be a light of righteousness. Our communities need you, not only as a part of our church, but as an individual believer. Our communities need you to be a light of righteousness throughout our communities. Because if we fail with this, How dark will our community, our country become? This is a great work. This is our work. It's going to take faith and obedience, but I believe God will reward. Let us look forward to this year that is set before us. Father, we come to you this morning.
And I pray that this challenge will, will encourage each one of us. And Lord, uh, sometimes we do get discouraged. Sometimes we feel like we have toiled long with very little fruit. But Father, strengthen us and encourage us to stay true, to stay faithful to the calling you have put upon us. And we will give you praise. Now, Father, as we close this service, if there is anyone here that is uncertain whether they will spend eternity in heaven, whether they have received Jesus Christ as Savior, or maybe they know for certain, I don't know. But Father, I pray that you will use this time around God's Word to draw them to you through repentance and faith. We pray in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Foothills Baptist Gospel Hour. For more information about Foothills Baptist Church of Loveland, Colorado, you may visit our website at foothillsbaptistchurch.com. If you wish to donate to this radio ministry, please make your check payable to Foothills Baptist Church and mail to P.O. Box 771, Loveland, Colorado, 80539. Once more, please make your check payable to Foothills Baptist Church and mail to P.O. Box 771, Loveland, Colorado, 80539. Or you may go to our website at foothillsbaptistchurch.com and click on the Give tab. We would love to have you visit our regular Sunday services with morning worship at 930, Sunday school at 1050, and Sunday evening at 5 o'clock. And until we meet again, be sure you are living by faith, living by faith in Jesus above, in Jesus above, trusting, trusting and confiding in His great love. From all harm's safe, from all harm's safe, in His sheltering arms, His sheltering arms, I'm living by faith.
of financial advisor are you looking for? A lot of advisors work for some great companies that offer good products, but are they taking a close look at what truly matters to you? Most advisors are unfortunately one-trick ponies and come at you with the same strategy no matter what situation you are in. Most of the time, your advisor isn't even reaching out to you to review things and has no desire to actually build a relationship with you. You want to work with someone who's going to hustle their butt off and compete for you and make sure that you are maximizing your hard-earned dollars. I will work day and night for all of my clients and do everything in my power to deliver the best service possible. Reach out to me, Joey Jaquin, Joe Jaquin's son, someone who is going to compete for your business and truly aligns with your conservative values. You can reach me at my personal cell, 602-909-9048. Again, 602-909-9048. of employees have struggled with at least one issue that affected their mental health. When you share, you're not alone. Ask about your company's emotional health benefits. Visit art.org sharing. 
Brought to you by the American Heart Association. My towels solve the problem that we've all had with towels. You go into the stores and they feel lotiony and soft, but then you get them home and they wind dry you. That's why I made my towels. They actually work, they're soft, and they absorb. And now I'm excited to announce two brand new lines of my towels. What makes them the best towels ever is they're now made with 100% long staple Shapir cotton. This is a combed ring spun cotton that makes my towels even softer and more absorbent than ever. And now you get a six-piece set for an amazing introductory sale price as low as $29.98. So go to MyPillow.com, use your promo code KHNC to get my towels for only $29.98. Or you can get my designer premium line for just $20 more. Either way, you save 50% now on all my towels. They actually work. What a concept. This offer won't last long, so please order now. MyPillow.com. Bleed Stop, clinically proven and FDA cleared to stop even arterial bleeds. Pour it into the wound, apply direct pressure, and clotting occurs in seconds. No stinging or burning. Minor cuts or major wounds, Bleed Stop is a must for first aid kits, backpacks, and trauma bags. Find Bleed Stop by clicking on the Bleed Stop button on the 1360KHNC webpage. Products and prices listed on the KHNC website are 20% off the regular Bleed Stop website prices. Get yours today. As 1360 continues to grow, we want to know what our listeners think. Tell us what you like. Tell us what you don't like. Give us your feedback. Go to 1360KHNC.com and hit the contact button and give us your thoughts. The Blue Dragon Spa is a man-friendly spa. With women bringing their husbands and significant others in for pedicures all the time. Men's feet hurt too. Don't forget. Blue Dragon Spa. 1811 Hover Street, Suites A and B, Longmont, Colorado, 720-680-0492, This is Rick Rodriguez. Christ said he would build his church and the gates of hell would not prevail against it. Join me on Sundays from 9 to noon for the Olive Tree and Lampstand Ministry Radio Church Program on 1360 AM KHNC. You're listening to the Roar of the Rockies, 1360 AM, KHNC, Johnstown, Greeley, Loveland, Fort Collins. 